0: Hello and welcome to the Leading Through Uncertainty podcast series. I'm your host Jude Jennison from Leaders by Nature and in this podcast I interview leaders from different organisations and industries to find out more about the challenges they face in leading through uncertainty and how they overcome them. This week I'm talking to Chris Thurling, the Executive Chairman of Armadillo CRM and the Chair of Bristol Media, an organisation championing the creative industries in Bristol. Chris talks openly about the importance of vulnerability and failure as a key part of the process of creativity and innovation. He explains creativity as being pertinent to every business and why we need to engage both the head and heart in decision making. Morning Chris, thanks for joining me today. Hi, Jude. Can you tell us who you are and what you do please?
1: Uh, so, my name's Chris Thurling. I am executive chairman of a marketing agency based in Bristol called Armadillo. And I'm also chair of an organization called Bristol Media, which is a network of the creative industries in Bristol and the surrounding region.
0: Okay. And what's your experience of leading through uncertainty?
1: Um, well, if you don't mind, I think I'll sort of slightly qualify the question because for me, Um, business is always about uncertainty. So my experience has always been about degrees of uncertainty. Um, So, you know, a lot of leadership for me in my experience has been about um, how to kind of manage that risk going forward. Um, I've had two in my career, two main businesses that I've been a part of the leadership teams of. Um, One which had a very... Uh, a business model that meant we we could only really see maybe three or four months ahead in terms of pipeline of work and one which has had a the one i 'm in now which has a, a slightly more stable um, business model which means perhaps we can take slightly longer term decisions rather than being quite so reactive
0: and and so that's interesting so do you think when you when you're planning for the longer term and you 've got a longer pipeline do you think there's less Um, uncertainty in that
1: that it feels like it yes it does Mm -hmm. feel like you know ultimately when you're running a small business if the cash looks like it's going to run out in two or three months time then um, you know that means everything beyond that feels highly uncertain Mm -hmm. and it does make it quite difficult to Make sort of strategic, long-term decisions because it does feel like you know you're just trying to get through each month intact. I think the experience a lot of small businesses feel. Whereas if you have got longer-term contracts or more solid clients, if you're in a a service industry like like uh, I've always been in, then yeah, the fact that you you've got a reasonable reasonable confidence that you're going to be in business in 12 months time, unless anything dramatically goes wrong. Then you can, I think, it feels like there are fewer uncertain variables knocking around, and you can perhaps make slightly longer term plans and, and behave oh. a bit more strategically as a business.
0: Yeah, and do you think that that has an impact on the on the team as well?
1: Um, yes, and uh, mainly positively. I mean, I think the danger can be that some. Um, A little bit of complacency can sneak in if you feel if you aren't feeling the fear. (laughs) Um, You know that there's certainly a a kind of an adrenaline part of of knowing that you've got to constantly win new work that keeps everyone on their toes and makes it exciting. Um, That novelty can wear off (laughs) after a while. Certainly, quite an exhausting way of surviving. But yeah, I think on the whole because it it allows you to plan perhaps you can just be more structured in the way you work with people you've got slightly you know you don't feel like obviously in a business most businesses people are the biggest cost and if things go wrong people are the first place you have to look to 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 try and Mm. keep things on the road so perhaps it makes you a little bit more anxious about investing in people if you think well maybe they're not going to be with me in six months time if things don't go right
0: and it's interesting isn't it because what i'm hearing is there's there's a there's a balance because if you put too much pressure on and you're you're looking for short term wins all the, all of the time then you're you're running on adrenaline and and you're likely to to burn out and yet what i'm also hearing is that the counterbalance to that is if you're too strategic and everything's kind of flowing and it's effortless and um and you're just growing without you know without too much effort then you get complacency and it's like how do you how do you strike the balance in the middle
1: that's a good question (laughs) i'm not sure i know the precise answer to it jude I i think um I mean, these are all degrees. I think there's always, you know, you've always got pressure from clients. There's always, there's, there's, there's lots of, there's lots of reasons to, for people to be kept on their toes. And, um, you know, I I think at a, at a top level, we're just talking about degrees of uncertainty. I think at the coalface for, for, for staff, you know, there's, there's always that sense that you've got to maintain really high standards of service because, you know you're in a high certainly the world i'm in is highly competitive um mm. and if you start to go a lot go off the boil there's some there's a long queue of other people who are out there to steal your lunch from you so um yeah i i th- I, th- I think it's just degrees we're talking about here and i certainly think that mm. being able to plan longer term is 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 a better way to run a business sustainably
0: in yeah. the long run. Oh. Yeah, almost certainly. And you were part of a management buyout earlier this year, weren't you? Can you tell me about that? And where does that sit on the spectrum of uncertainty?
1: Um, Yeah, so the business that I'm now chairman of um, called Armadillo had been going for a long time. The previous owners had decided they wanted to move on to other things. And there came an opportunity to come together with the, um, the managing director, a guy called James, and our finance director, a guy called Andy, to to buy the business off of the owners um, and perhaps take it in a slightly different direction from where it was going previously. So um, I I I think a lot of that was about being able to, uh, being involved in a business and and perhaps not being able ultimately to make the decisions about the purpose of the business and and where it was going um, by taking full ownership of it, it allows you to To live and live and die by your decision making.
0: Mm, And how easy was that decision to make? What to do the MBO? Um,
1: For me, it was. I'd had several years um, after I'd finished my previous business, and um, I think I needed a little bit of a breather to recover from the, the kind of leading through uncertainty that we were just talking about. Which, as I said, you know, is a pretty exhausting exhausting process when you've got a more project-based type business. Um, But by the time this opportunity came up, it it was a business that I'd been involved in and known for a long time. Um, I thought that the fundamentals of it were really sound. The people that I wanted to go into business with, I'd got to know, trusted and respected. So providing the, the financials of the deal came together, which they did, then it, it feel, felt like one of the easiest decisions I've ever had to make, to be honest, you
0: interesting. And and so what I'm hearing is that there was a foundation of, of trust and respect with the with the other board members. Yes. Um, I mean I I've met you a few times now and we've mm. we've worked together. Yep. So my my experience of you is that you're you know you're very calm and you're very measured. Do you think it's as easy for other people who are perhaps not quite as calm and measured as you are
1: (laughs) (laughs) well it's probably this swan analogy isn't it i might appear to be sailing gracefully over the water underneath and paddling like fury um i don't know i mean the thing i've found with my two current business partners is that you know we we really do bring different strengths to the table um and perhaps yes i've perhaps got some i've got a bit more experience than some of them in, in terms of running and managing a business. You um, know, I've seen I've seen most things in my twenty odd years of running businesses, and probably learnt that you, you know, things are never quite as bad as they seem, and probably never quite as good as they seem. So in the end, you take you start to take a more philosophical or stoical view about things. That ultimately, you do get through the other side. No one's died. Um, it's okay. Um, and yeah, I'd say that that's perhaps something that I bring to the triad. Um, Mm. The other two bring lots of things that, that I haven't got. And, you know, I think that's been one of my key lessons of leadership is, you know, the notion of the kind of heroic single leader feels to me, a little bit anachronistic um, mm-hmm. and not actually the best way to run an organization these days. you know that you, yes, you probably need a single CEO, but most businesses are probably most effectively run by a, a team that can come together, blend and combine their strengths, and provide all forms of different leadership depending on the context.
0: Yeah, and I think you know that's so much easier said than done. Isn't <laughs> well,
1: absolutely. Yeah, it sounded easy, didn't it? What I just said. Um, well, yeah, if it were that easy, everyone would everyone would do it. Um, it's it's yeah, it, it requires a you know a good chemistry, a good blend, and and working at it. You know, it's not necessarily something that just happens spontaneously. Although you know it can do, but on the whole, I think it does require requires some effort to make it happen.
0: Yeah, so so give us some some of your top tips of of how you make that happen in your business.
1: We work with you, Jude. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, oh, well, that's a great answer. <laughs> yeah.
1: um, well, I mean, joking aside, you know, the the, the two sessions that we've have done with you have been hugely beneficial for us to um, yeah, just just get us get us to know one another, trust one another kind of understand uh, at an almost indefinable level our our strengths and weaknesses and how we can work together. Um, I, I mean, I th- it's quite interesting really that how important I'd say vulnerability is in all of this in terms of building relationships. You know, that it's not something that we're our culture particularly encourages, particularly if you're a bloke. Um,
0: mm. Yeah.
1: But I think actually, you can only really kind of get out the other side to really high-performing leadership when you are able to show a bit of vulnerability um, and you are able to, you know, admit that you're struggling with things because we all do. And, you know, bet the best teams are those that, you know, pick up and, and help people out who are who are perhaps having a bad day or struggling with a particular issue which they feel they ought to to be able to conquer. But for whatever reason... Can't can't get over, and rather than it that being a, a sign of weakness, that's actually a real sign of maturity and strength, in my view.
0: Yeah, and and it's you know it's in, it's an interesting one, vulnerability, because it is it is something that we um we all tend to to shy away from, mm. and yet what I'm hearing is that by sharing your vulnerabilities, it's enabled you to build greater trust and use the strengths of, of each other
1: yeah that's that's a good summary um Mm. and um and obviously you know when we came what work we've done with you that i think um accelerated that process i'd say that we were it was already pretty good um Mm -hmm. but it it kicked us on probably a a year or two in one morning
0: Mm. yeah interesting um so Say more about how you how you build on each other's strengths as as a team because you know it's something that, that you seem to do quite quite well as a team for the benefit of teams out there who perhaps don't build on each other's strengths or are afraid to share their vulnerabilities. What you know, what would your advice be for them?
1: I, I think it's a lot of it is just about making sure that you're you know you're you're investing time in the relationship between you. As leaders, that isn't purely about the kind of almost the transactional side of working together. You know, I mean, obviously, mm. a big part of leadership is about coming together, making decisions, um, discussing strategy, all of those kind of things. Um, but I think, you know, a great leadership team is able to blend that great strategic vision with a kind of emotional resonance that you mm. can communicate out to your people you know people are not only need to be won over not just rationally but they need to be won over in their heart as well and i think you know you need to that needs to start with the leadership team if you're not having a relationship together that's about heart as well as mind then it's unlikely you'll be able to transmit that through to the rest of the company so yeah spending you know spending time social time you know um sort of having feeling so kind of comfortable with each other talking about stuff that's not just about work all those things just kind of building building a close friendship actually
0: Mm. yeah because it's important to to remember that we are emotional beings as as well as rational beings aren't we and and we're at our best i think when we when we integrate the two we're not just operating purely from the head or purely from the heart but we actually integrate
1: uh yeah definitely I I think the the sort of notion that you are this you put on this different persona (laughs) when you're in work um from what you're like as a you know outside work I mean that's never felt how I how I want to do work in business Mm. um you know I suppose I've always had the privilege of working for myself so I've not had to kind of bend my personality to someone else's idea of what being a business person looks like, but I think certainly the younger generation. I know that's sort a of overused cliche. Value authenticity, <laughs> and um, you know I have some doubts about that word. I think it's slightly overused, but let's 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 be let's be um, generous with it. Um, yeah, I, I think people can see through edifice and artifice and falseness, and um, yeah. if if you really want to bring with people with you you've got to be your true bring your true self to the to the table and and people will go with that if you if you sort of trust in being who you are
0: yeah i mean that's again that's so much easier said than done isn't it how how do you encourage how do you encourage your wider team to um to, to drop those masks and and you know and the fakery and mm. and be and bring all of themselves into work, including their vulnerabilities
1: um, well that's a that's a question i'm not necessarily feel i'm fully qualified to answer but i mean i'd certainly the first thing that comes to my mind is is about you know, making sure you don't have any kind of blame culture in your business mm. you know that um, increasingly Businesses have to embrace failure, you know, as part of innovation and change. Um, so you need to allow people to have a go at things and not feel they're going to be humiliated if it goes wrong, if they've, you know, they've approached something with their heart in the right place. That's not to say that, you know, you shouldn't be um, tough on, on people whose performance doesn't kind of come up to scratch. Mm. But um yeah, you know, just creating. I mean, I always think I've, I've always felt that I I'd always wanted to create the kind of business that if I was an employee I'd want to work in. You know, it's that kind of "do unto others as you'd have done unto yourself" principle that you can find in most sort of religions and philosophies throughout the world. So, you know, I, I think I always try and bear that in mind and think, okay. Um, try and put myself in the shoes of someone 20 25 years younger than me how would they be feeling in this culture this environment with some old bloke like me talking to them um uh, you know would they would i feel comfortable would i have felt comfortable at that age to be honest and open
0: yeah and it you know i mean you're obviously you're in a a creative industry so Mm. I don't know is there is there more failure with creativity is there
1: um by definition (laughs) I mean creativity (laughs) is is 99% failure (laughs) um and one percent
0: does that make it easier then for you as a business to 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 deal with failure to accept it to pick yourselves up and and keep going um
1: well, I've never worked in any other industry, so it's hard for me to to know what other industries are like. So I can only imagine. Yeah, I mean, I I feel very lucky to work in the creative industries. I think you know it's a you know it's a privilege really to work in in an industry where you're you know you're it's a bit like you know double art on a Friday at school. You know, it's it's not like triple Latin. <laughs> um, it's I would think you? I'd uh, rather
0: have okay. Latin if I'm honest.
1: Well, that uh, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, Explains why
1: you worked <laughs> at IBM, and <laughs> I set up a design business. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah um, possibly.
0: Yeah,
1: I mean, I've, I've, I think, I, I think because absolutely, you know, you, creativity is not a nice straight line process. It's a mess, really. It's a, it's a roundabout mm. process that um, kind of ultimately, you know, the great idea is not really about putting in the time and so on you know it's it's often about um you know that moment coming to you in the bath or playing ping pong or whatever it might be so you know for a for an industry where that that idea that problem solving spark of genius is the place where there's the real value that's obviously not you know there is quite a lot of stuff which is just about executing and delivering stuff but you know the real value is in mm-hmm. is in having a great idea that. Um, Yeah, I've never thought about it, but probably failure is perhaps more tolerated than it might be than if you're working in the nuclear industry, for example, (laughs) where you know failure is probably um, probably not such a good idea. You know, you don't want to fail ninety nine times before before you get the one time getting it right in an industry like that. So yeah, I think in that sense we're an advantage.
0: So do you think it? Yeah. So do you think it's about choo- choosing where it's okay to fail? Because I'm, I'm, I'm also guessing that you know, with with your client work, there'll be times when it, you know, the the failure mm. is part of the process. But it's, I, I'm guessing it's not the end process. You know, so I'm, I'm guessing that failure hits you as hard. You know, if you delivered something that was substandard or not of value to a client, I'm guessing that would hit you as hard as it would somebody in the IT oh, or yeah, the absolutely. nuclear industry. I mean, if
1: you're... If you've, I don't know, slightly old-fashioned example, but if you've come up with a brilliant idea that's going to be a direct mail campaign and uh, the client loves it, uh, but then you do a mail merge and it all gets sent to the wrong, uh, all the addressees are wrong, that's a big failure that's going to cost Mm A lot of money and probably you the account, so you know there are lots of where, where areas in our industry just like any any others where failure isn't isn't really an option um, I think it's just at the kind of heart of what we what we do is, is about failure
0: <laughs> yeah but that's interesting isn't it is that there are there are times when it's okay to fail as part of creativity and times when it's absolutely not yep. so in in that respect it is no different from from any other industry Mm. in that you know even in the it industry as part of the creative process there needs to be space for failure and for it to be more messy Mm. while people are working out how does it actually work but the end the end result needs to be as as slick as your direct mail process
1: yeah and you know i'm keen on broadening the definition of creativity you know i think there's opportunities to be creative in just about anything any job actually Mm -hmm. if you if you look hard enough for it um i think sometimes uh, the term creativity is conflated with the craft skills involved in our industry yeah and that's i think a different thing you know because just because you can't you can't draw or you can't design or you you're not necessarily a brilliant copywriter uh, or um, a filmmaker or something like that in other words you haven't got the craft skills doesn't mean that you're not necessarily a creative person you know creativity is about solving problems in innovative ways Um, and Mm. any business any job has problems that need that need solving with new thinking I mean if if that didn't happen then we'd still be in the stone age wouldn't we
0: (laughs) well yeah and you know some of the some of the best CFOs and and financial directors that that i've met are are also creative and i don't mean in a, <laughs> yeah, in <they're>,
1: a... <laughs> creative accounting well
0: <laughs> I, yeah and i don't mean that in um you know illegal way i mean no. that they're often intuitive in terms yeah. of you know when they look at a whole bunch of numbers they intuitively know that there's something right over here or there's something wrong over there and know where to put their attention and and that's that's about being creative isn't it it's about being intuitive as well um so it it, you know even the the professions that we think are very left brain logical reasoning Mm. require a level of intuition and and creativity as well in them
1: yeah and like probably some of these professional in, uh, other industries could could do with tuning into that side of their brains more frequently um, mm. you know it might mean that they could could um, innovate their way out of challenging times more quickly and more and more effectively mm. however you know in defense of um, the industry i'd in i mean i would say obviously that some people probably have a, a natural talent for creative creativity compared to others just like some people are naturally better at engineering or or at maths or something like that than others and yeah you know th- those pe- those are the kind of people that you know certainly with my Bristol Media hat on where I'm representing the creative industries of you know thousands of people working in the industry you know want to want to champion you know those people that really spend their day you know working with ideas and, 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 make, and coming up with great ideas mm. um and you know it would be it would be great if there was a better you know a better appreciation for creativity i think i think sometimes it's because of the the failure side of it it can sometimes be undervalued
0: yeah and do you think do you think in times of uncertainty it's even more important
1: yes although like i said i think um it, it's all you know the future's by definition uncertain <laughs> so um but obviously again it's degrees of uncertainty it feels like obviously at mm. the moment we're in this you know the bedded, dreaded b, b word mm. um we're in a time of particular uncertainty um i mean there, there's an example where perhaps our political class need to be a bit more creative and imaginative to work out how we're going to get through what seems to become a bit of an impasse. Mm. Um, I'm not sure that we've got leaders at the moment who are particularly creative in the way they're thinking about things. Um, and
0: do you think, just, do you think uh, some of that um, is because they're, 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 the media are all over them if they even so much as, you know, hint at a small amount of failure that that there's just no place for it. There's a there's a public humiliation and shaming that happens that actually just prevents that that creativity from being at play. I
1: think that's probably fair, Jude. Yeah, I think um, there's not a lot of scope in our sort of 24/7, 365 news driven sort of social media culture mm. to think to think aloud.
0: Yeah. You
1: no, know, I, I mean. I, i it, certainly I feel like most of the time the way I figure things out is by is by talking about them with other people um and they normally start out off as pretty half arsed ideas <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's but it's the the kind of process of articulating and thinking through and getting feedback and slowly refining your ideas where ultimately you come to a perhaps a more you know a more solid conclusion, but I think our politicians are. Kind of expected to put fully formed ideas out there and if they're not then they then they get shot down and um mm. i think that's a shame because i'm sure they do a lot of the thinking behind closed doors with their advisors but actually that means you've get do get a bit of groupthink um mm. you know the people who are inputting are probably have went to the same universities <laughs> live in the same cities or very similar backgrounds and yeah. you know if, if ideas could be put out there more widely and, and, and claimed as perhaps work in progress then you know the sort of diversity that I think is critical to to sort of rigorous testing of good ideas mm. is absent in our in our politics
0: yeah so what's the stretch for you as a leader Chris what
1: well, personally or mm. yeah um, I think well i think i've i've sometimes struggled with self confidence mm-hmm. if i'm being honest um you know it's that imposter syndrome thing that lots of people talk about of uh, thinking that uh I don't know enough or that I can't do it or you know that i'm I haven't done an m b a therefore I don't really know. Who am I to be making decisions about business all of which are mm. kind of ridiculous things really having given I've done it for 20 years I, I probably yeah. I probably know I know what I'm doing so yeah I think it's it, it's you know it's always for me working on self confidence belief um you know keeping keeping faith in making decisions creating momentum um not getting distracted from what I'm doing because I think sometimes Getting distracted is a is an indication of a lack of self confidence because you know you just slightly move on to something else because you you haven't quite got the confidence to finish what you were doing and get it over the line so you start, right. you start some another project or something um, mm. so
0: that almost procrastination isn't it
1: yeah I, I, procrastination is a can bedevil you sometimes in the because yeah you know, because of this uncertainty thing really because. You know, you're being, you're being asked really by the business you're running to take a view on the future <laughs> and, and put a marker down about what you think might happen next month, six months' time, 12 months' time, two years' time even. Um, and, um, yeah, you know, that t- takes a degree of confidence to be able to say, yeah, you know, this is, this is, this is what I think we need to do not now but Mm. for something that's going to happen that far down the line um not everyone feels comfortable with that
0: no and you know it comes back to balance again doesn't it is it's about having enough self-confidence that that we can put ourselves out there but not so much that we become arrogant and unaware of of our impact and and unaware to lead effectively so you know it it always comes back to to that balance doesn't it
1: it does and I think it comes back to that ability to be a you know a genuinely good listener Mm -hmm. because you know if if you move into that state of hubristic self-confidence then I think that's the real danger zone Mm -hmm. for leadership where you start to believe you you you, you're walking on water Mm -hmm. um and you only really want to hear people who are going to tell you the things you want to hear um Mm -hmm you know it's it's about having relationships with people throughout the business who feel comfortable telling you when you've got it wrong or at least feeling confident enough to give you a different point of view or a different perspective yeah um, i think you know all the businesses it seems that have failed over the years have you know that's ultimately what they seem to have lost is that they just started to believe their own their own propaganda mm-hmm. um, and the world suddenly moved and they haven't they hadn't noticed
0: yeah well Chris I could listen to you all day (laughs) because there are so many so many nuggets in there for for all of us around you know creativity vulnerability listening so much there that is is useful for for all of us so thank you very much for your time today
1: thank you Jude it's good to talk to you
0: Chris's honesty is refreshing in business he had some great advice there for politicians and business leaders alike The reluctance to be honest and co-create with others prevents creativity and innovation and stops us finding new ways of doing business. It was interesting to hear from Chris that the management buyout earlier this year was one of the easiest decisions he'd ever had to make. And the key thing is, he trusted and respected his fellow business partners. Perhaps that's the key to embracing uncertainty. What's your experience? That's it for this podcast. I was your host Jude Jennison, from Leaders by Nature. Keep leading and I'll come back soon with the next interview on Leading Through Uncertainty.